You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The book of Zechariah, and I would encourage you, it was recently my Bible reading uh, that I was reading a week or two ago, but um, Zechariah is 14 chapters. I'd really encourage you to get in the book. It is an incredible book. It's twofold. One is the preacher is trying to get them, the prophet's trying to get them to rebuild the temple. And it had been laid in the foundation, and there it lay waste for 14 years. Remember last week I was in, just happened to be this way, the chapter, the book before this is Haggai. Haggai and Zechariah were, were contemporaries. They preached at the same time. The, uh, the, uh, the, the captivity, the post-captivity people, now they're out of captivity. For 70 years they've been in, as prisoners of war, and, and now they're back home. And they, they were so obsessed with building their sealed houses, the Bible says, in Haggai. Haggai stood up and said, the time has come. Let's build the house of God. You're in your sealed houses, now let's, let's, let's build God's house. And the people said last week, the time has not come. It's not, we're not ready to do this. Well, Zechariah's the same man, and, and he's telling the same message. They're doing it simultaneously. Come on, folks, let's get with this thing. Let's do something for God. And you know, tonight I, I'm thinking about all you dear pastors that perhaps watch and church members. If we could, we could, we could see America safe, we could, if we just get back to church. So I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who the health directors are. I don't care who the governors are. If we just got God's people, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, wasted it back to the house of God. But the, the, the average city has churches that are closed tonight. They do their little ditty on Sunday morning. That's it. Why do we build these buildings and then have a 45 to one hour service, minute service? Why, why do we do that while the whole city is lying waste and in corruption? The answer is the New Testament local church. So it's twofold. One, let's build up the present temple in that day that had just sat there dormant. Let's get back to church. But then you get to chapter 8 in Zechariah to 14. It's not only that present temple, but it's the future temple and how we'll worship and we'll have that worship coming out of Jerusalem. And so there's twofold things, the present and that era and the future, this temple here and this temple here. And so you get to, pardon me, chapter 7. In chapter 7, Zechariah is going to introduce a subject to us. He said the condition is so bad, it's so rough. It's so sad that God's people will not get out of their sealed houses to build the house of God. He said, I'm going to introduce to you again the subject of fasting. And fasting is when something is beyond you. You know, tonight, when a person fasts, they deny themselves of food and pleasure. I don't believe you can raise good kids without fasting. 
I'm talking about every week. It might be one meal a week. I, I, I always caution Bible college students, I believe in fasting. But while you're in school, going as a full-time student in a full-time job and really in the ministry, uh, you have to, as young bodies, nourish your bodies. But when you're out of school, maybe at Christmas break and other times, I, I think you ought to make sure that you spend some time fasting. How in the world could you ever find the right mate without fasting? How in the world can we raise good sons and daughters without fasting? It might be a meal fast. It might be two meals a day. It might be a Jewish fast from sunup to sundown. It may be a 24-hour fast. It may be a one-day, a two-day fast. And I'm not here to talk about personal fasting. I am here to talk about this kind, the miraculous kind. John, uh, Mark 8, 29, the disciples said, why, why, can't we, why can't we heal this man? God said, Jesus said, this kind cometh about by prayer and fasting, denying ourselves. I want to be very chaste with a mixed company, but that's why Paul says over in the book of Corinthians that a husband and wife, you actually are in consent with one another that we will refrain from ourselves from anything physical for a season of time that we may give ourselves to fasting, to prayer. You know, our country is in an urgent moment. I don't need to go on and depress you with what you, you hear on a daily basis, but we're in an urgent moment. The only hope for America is God's people and God's people praying and God's people going back to the house of God. I think many of you ladies, a hundred plus of you, have been very discouraged because on Monday nights you'd come out here and come to these steps and pray that God would intervene in the election of this state and not only did he not intervene like we were asking, it was overwhelmingly against what you were asking. So what do you do, quit? Do we stop praying? Well, I had an, I, I want, maybe God says, I want to hear more from you ladies and more from you men and more from you teenagers than just an emergency time. Maybe we ought to get back to prayer, back to pleading with God and begging God. And so he introduces, and I'm not speaking on fasting tonight, but with this text, he introduces fasting. And the Bible says in chapter 7, it came to pass, and by the way, it always comes to pass. Then the fourth year of Darius, that the word of the Lord came into Zechariah the Fourth day of the ninth month of Cheslu, that would be December. And the Bible says in verse 3, to speak to the priest, which were in the house of the Lord of hosts, and to the prophets, saying, should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? Would you repeat those last three words with me? Ready, begin. So many years, these so many years, these so many years. 
I want to speak to you on that subject tonight. These so many years. You know, here in Zechariah, no success in this ministry. 70 years captivity. <coughs> Pardon me. 70 years of captivity. And these people are not listening. And, and prayer and prayer and prayer. And it's not working. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, he just kept doing these the things that he should be doing these so many years. When, when you don't think God is answering prayers, just keep with it these so many years. When it doesn't seem like God is working in your midst or doing what you expect God to do, just keep at these so many years. Just keep on keeping on. Yes, fasting is important. We'll see that briefly. But I want you to see a man who's faithful. A man who's faithful these so many years just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. You college boys, you high school boys, you go to a mission field and you go to a church. You know what you do? You don't stay a year and jump on somewhere else. You stay and you stay. And the good times and the easy times and the hard times and the times when the offering is good and when the offering's down, it will normally never be enough. And when there's good things happening, when there's sorrowful things happening, when there's life and when there's death, you stay. You just work through those days. Oh, it's not easy. But my, I say, God will bless you. One day you'll look back and you say, I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for my Lord. And I don't regret a time I trusted in his word. God is not looking for talent. God is looking for faithfulness. The Jews would fast. And there are many different types of fast with the Jews. What if you recall, they fasted when they commemorated when, when uh, the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar and 2 Kings. You recall when the Day of Atonement on the 10th, month, 10th day of the 7th month, Leviticus 23, they fasted and prayed. There's other days they fasted to commemorate, commemorate the captivity of the children of Israel, the capture of Jerusalem. They fasted here in the 5th month. And what did they fast for? It represented the burning of the house of God. And so here he is in verse number three. Shall I weep in the fifth month, separating myself of how I've done these years? I want you to see tonight this journey called life and serving God these so many years. I've spent time this week, I won't go through it, marking your names down. You know, in this section over here tonight, and I may have missed one or two, and I've got all your names, I could name them. There are 24 families that are sitting, families, not individuals, families, that are sitting on this section tonight, that have all been here 25 years, but most 30 and 35 and longer years right here in this section alone. Do you know, as I went through the sections in my mind, at my house, and in my study, and in my prayer time, I came up with nearly 100 families that are in here tonight. You've all been here 25 plus years, and many 30 years, and 35 years, and beyond. You know what that's called? That's called faithfulness. If you were at the old building, if you recall, 
almost 31 years we were there at Clyde Avenue. The auditorium was a horseshoe balcony, and it was an incredible balcony. There was a balcony in the front, and then we came down the sides, and came down the sides, and stairs came down the sides. And then the lower floor was a shotgun longer than this building. And way back there, and there's three sections. But if you came to the early service, there was two services every Sunday morning, not a rock and roll one, the same type of service. But the purpose was we didn't have the crowd. We didn't have the room for the crowd. I think it only sat like 12 or 1,300 people. And you know, that first service, it really grew, and then the second service grew. But the second service would put their song books down, and they'd, they'd save a place, or they'd put their coats down, or they'd put their Bibles down. I guess they didn't use them Sunday afternoon. And they'd save a spot. And people that came the first service Sunday morning realized I'm not going to get in the auditorium for Sunday evening service. I see some of you shaking your head. You remember that. We had people, <clears throat> we had people sitting on the steps. They said, I want to be in the auditorium. They'd set up the steps and we'd always bring another row of chairs down every one of the aisles and people would sit on those chairs as well. Then they'd go sit when they ran out of room into the fireside room and put a pastor there and They'd sing along with us and then watch the service and they had their own invitation and a pastor at the front, other rooms, and we packed it out. You know that for 31 years, you were not permitted as a church member to park near or around or on the church property. We only had 38 parking stalls and we grew by 100 the first year and 100 the second year, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth. For 25 years straight, we grew 20, 100 a year on that small place with no parking. You know, I admire you folks that stayed with it. I admired you folks that rode those shuttle buses. I admire you folks that taught Sunday school on buses because we had no classrooms. I admire the people that would go with the superintendents that are still superintendents, the brother Manley, the brother Skirty, the brother Carey, for over 40 years here, 40 plus years, all superintendents, they go to these New tilt-up buildings over here with no, no electricity, no lights. It had a concrete floor, concrete walls, brand new buildings. We called them soul winning factories. And we put young people in there and taught and preached the word of God. Thank God for people that just stayed and stayed. And then it was this offering and that offering and build this building and start this ministry. You know what they were? They were faithful people. How did this man stay faithful in the midst of the fact that God's people were not being faithful? One, he had a desire to obey God and not man. Did you notice what it says in chapter 7? Let's back up 6, 9. The word of the Lord came unto me. Chapter 7, verse number 1. That the word of the Lord came unto me. In chapter 7, verse 4, the word of the Lord came unto me. And verse number 8, the word of the Lord came unto me. And chapter 8, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto me. And chapter 9, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto me. Do you know that, that there is 12 times in this book of 14 chapters where God said, Isaiah, the Bible said, the word of God came to Zechariah. There's another, another uh, nine times that God mentions that he spake to 
the man as he spake the word of the Lord 21 times. Do you know tonight that when God, when God speaks to us, we need to always listen. When God speaks, here is Isaiah. And Isaiah preached for 61 years and zero success. 61 years. 45 times Isaiah obeyed the word of the Lord. You know, Jeremiah, he preached for 41 years. And 97 times it says he obeyed the word of the Lord. Ezekiel pray, preached for 21 years and 68 times says that the word of the Lord came unto him. When God speaks, obey. How does God speak? Through his word. And he walks and he talks with you. Uh, are you in the word of God? Let's not read books about the word. Let's read the word. Let's read this precious old book that we hold in our hand. I have one of the most incredible libraries I've built through the years. And all my walls are lined from floor to ceiling with books. And I love going to my library. But I tell you what. I sometimes feel like I'm not as good as evangelist Lester Roloff, but I feel like Lester Roloff, he'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and he said, the older I get, I've given all my books away and I just get one book and I read it and then about nine o'clock in the morning, I start preaching it and I preach it in the morning, I preach it in the noon, I preach it in the evening, I preach it on the radio. I recall, and of course, he's been dead over 30 years now. But I sat on, on the evening here on the AM station. He'd come on every night about 8 o'clock. And you'd hear, uh, this is Evangelist Lester Roloff. And he'd preach. <clears throat> and those girls would sing. Or those boys would sing. And it was such an amazing ministry to hear him. May I say this, that you obey the word of God. I agree with what he said. The older I get, this is the only book you need. And I'm grateful for other books that we have. But I love the old Bible. Can I ask you to get in it like never before as we approach 2022? And so how does God, how does God speak to us through the word? How does God speak to us through the spirit of God through conviction, John 16? He'll convict you. I also I often say obey every spiritual impulse that the spirit of God says. Go help that family. Go help that couple. Go help that senior saint. Go help that person who's, who's, who, who has some difficulty in life. You know, God's people here. You began running buses, and a little girl came on the bus. Her name was Maria. <coughs> Pardon me. Maria Donata began to ride those buses as a little girl. She's in the Spanish ministry with her husband who's an ordained Baptist preacher out of our college. <coughs> Pardon me. And she has children. I saw her yesterday at Soul Winning. I said, Maria, tell me about Andrea, your sister. Andrea's a little girl that when COVID began, 
She had already been on her buses and she had already gone as a teenager through cancer. And then she was a diabetic. And she wound up in the hospital during COVID with not COVID. She's never got COVID yet. But they said as her parents were on the outside, the Spanish department lived in that parking lot for months. They said, Andrea, we're going to have to remove your arm. She's a 20-year-old girl studying to be a nurse. And they removed her arm above the elbow. The next surgery, they said, Andrea, we're going to have to remove this arm up right below your elbow. Her parents, her mother, especially was out in that parking lot, could not go console her, could not pray. Brother Sloan could not get in. None of us could get into the hospital. She laid there as a 20-year-old girl, arm one gone, arm two, but you talked to her on the phone eventually in time, and she's just been so positive, and God's going to receive glory, and I believe she really believes that. Andrea, we still can't let you have, allow you to have visitors because of COVID. We're going to have to move your leg. And now limb three came off. And shortly thereafter, limb four. She's a stump of a body. I was just over at the Spanish ministry and I saw her over there. What a sweet girl. But you know, recently they have to do another surgery because of bone that's coming out here. But they gave her some legs. And she had to be very careful because she falls. There's nothing to guard a fall. And so her family's there and she made it with the legs from this bed to the door. And then from the bed to the door to the next room. And then from the bed to the door to the front door. You know that little girl is being faithful to God. But may I say this has been a church that's been faithful to pray for her. I mean, I have listeners saying all the time, we hear you talking to your church about praying for Andrea. How's she doing? Well, I believe she's on the winning side. And I believe much of that is because the people in the balconies of the lower floor that I'm looking at right now, I wonder how many times you and your mate, perhaps if you're married, went to bed as my wife and I have prayed for Andrea at night prayer. I wonder how many teenagers, and I know you haven't prayed for her, and young people, and this church family, the pastors and the staff and the deacons and the ushers and all that it goes. You know, obey when God, the Holy Spirit says, do something. Do something. Nowadays, there's so much surveillance, you have to be careful. Drive by the public school over here and, and park your car. And maybe so they don't think you're some stalker. Get out and just pray by your car for that public school and those kids over there for their safety. Maybe we ought to be praying at the city council and the city hall, and maybe we ought to pray at the police station and at the fire stations and just be a people of prayer when the Spirit of God moves on your heart to pray. I recall several years ago, uh, I, I, I couldn't sleep at night. And I'd get up and walk the streets at night and just pray in these neighborhoods. 
and coming by your house and praying and praying for people. Sometimes about two and three in the morning, it gets so cold in the winter. I'd run into Safeway. It used to be open through the night. I'd go in there and just sort of get warm for a little bit and then go pray. I don't do that anymore. My wife suggested, she goes, I don't think that's, that's appropriate to say if anybody could say anything or do anything at any time. And so I stay at home and I pray. That's why I love it when you give me a card. Pastor, will you pray about this? Sure, I'll pray if you'll let me know. You know, God's going to speak to your heart. And here's a man, he said, I'm listening to the voice of God. I'm listening to that still, small voice. I want you to see, secondly, he was a man of self-denial. Should I weep in the fifth month, separating, separating myself, separating myself, here it is, as I've done these so many years. This church has been built off fasting. This church has been built off prayer. This church has been built on, I'll put it on hold. I'll put mine on hold for the house of God. Brother Manley, you remember when God in his miraculous grace, about 1981, I think, gave you that Porsche. It was about 81. They're praying that God would give them children in time. God gave them a son and a daughter. They were renting in I, I'll never forget he brought it by. It was willed to him. Had no idea it was coming. He brought it by my house on a Saturday evening before prayer. I saw it. We took it out for a drive. I told him, I said, Bill, God's dealing with me right now. You're supposed to give this to me. <laughs> he never bought into that one. I'll never forget what you and Leanna decided. I said, I'm so excited. Here's your down payment you need for a house. You recall that conversation, sure. He said, Pastor, I'm going to have kids. They need a Christian school building more than I need this car. I remember when another man in our church, they sold it for that project. You know, you've been doing that these so many years. I remember a man had got saved here, and his wife got saved and had two little girls, and he said, Pastor, I have a Corvette. I said, let me see it. I tried it out on him. I said, you know, Mike, God wants you to give that to me. <laughs> he was a new Christian. I thought maybe he could buy into it. But he said, no, Pastor, it's for the building. You know, it's amazing where people in this church have been a church of self-denial. Self-denial. I'll get up in the dark of the morning, go wash buses at 6.45 when the sun's not even up yet. It was still dark. That's self-denial. I can't go wash buses, but I can be a soul winner today. I can't do that, but today I'm giving money to the bus ministry. I can't do that, but I'll do. And it's amazing what, what God, you know how you, you want to know how to stay faithful? Just deny yourself every day. Say no to yourself. He said, I've done this these so many years. I, I have, I've separated myself. I think it's important that we discipline ourselves. Yes, spiritually, but maybe, maybe you have 
high blood pressure, and I don't know, I don't know, but, but I think it's caused by a, a lot of sodium and salt intake. And, and maybe, maybe if you would just say no to salt. You say, but I love salt so much, I know that. But maybe if you said no to that. Maybe if you said no, I'm not going to uh, get so involved with sports. I'll deny, I'll separate myself. No, I'm not going to spend my life doing this. I'm not talking about you give things up forever unless God speaks. I'm talking about the fact, when was the last time you said, I'm not going to have any chocolate for 30 days? You see, things like that doesn't necessarily make you a better Christian. I think it is a discipline in our life. And when we cannot discipline a piece of chocolate or uh, some salt or some dessert or some soda or some coffee, we won't go on that one. We need a cup a day. Um, but, but, but you know, if we can't discipline this, those are little things. Those are little things. But it gets a habit in our life. Young people, I, 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 I talk so much about my brother-in-law here, my sister these days, but I, I never was good at reading my Bible as a teenager. Our youth group was so good at it. And my brother-in-law's mother was the one that really instituted it. We didn't have youth pastors. We had an amazing youth group. She taught us how to read the Bible daily and study the Bible daily and mark your Bible daily and get in the Word. And, God, and, and her thought was, and the pastor's thought, was that you spent an hour a day with God in the Word of God in prayer as a teenager. I'm going to tell you something, Brother Smith. I never did. I could spend an hour. I have my camp books to this day from the 60s. And I look at those camp books, and we were supposed to have our morning, what they called a morning watch, a walk with God for an hour. And you could see I had the answers, and I wrote things down. And then you could see I started drawing pictures. My mind was so undisciplined as a teenager. I, I didn't want to spend an hour with God. But can I tell you what it's done now? And that was 19, I think, 65. So whatever, how many years ago that is to now. You know what that little habit did in my life? It allowed me to pastor the same church for 46 years. Where every day of my life, I get in this Bible. I don't have to set an alarm clock. I want to get up. I want to get in this book. I want to pray. I want to walk with God. God did that. How? Because someone taught me to discipline my life in that area. I'm suggesting today, and here is this Zechariah. And for so many years, he just kept listening to God. And for so many years, he kept denying himself. And so for so many years... I think I'll close it down right here. I have several more points. But for so many years, he never got distracted. Look what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. I turned and I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a flying roll. Look what it says in chapter 6 and verse number 1. I lifted up my eyes. If you go back to chapter number 5 where we were, and he lifted up his eyes in verse 5, and he lifted up a talent in verse number 7. He lifted up his eyes in verse number 9. Nine again, he lifted up, he lifted up uh, Ethan. And then in chapter 6, verse 1, he lifted up his eyes again. And I find that he just kept lifting his eyes and lifting his eyes, and he was constantly looking for opportunities and not ever getting distracted. He got his eyes on things that were eternal. 
Don't get distracted. Don't get absorbed with all these things that are fleeting and they'll be a pleasure for a season. That's why it goes back to fasting, denying of self. Because one day, you're going to be Brother Bobby Robertson. And you will have pastored the same church for 61 years. Out in the tobacco fields of North Carolina, a country preacher with an eighth grade education. And yet the most beautiful buildings that were built in America. About age 80, when he built that huge dining hall facility, they said it's the largest one in the Winston-Salem area, professional and commercial grade uh, 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 dining hall facility. It's beautiful, paid for cash. The, 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 the executives and the people that sat at his feet and heard the word of God. This building is a replica of their building. A guy who had an eighth grade education. But you know what he determined? When the church split on him, when he had a heart attack at age 39, I think he was. And then his health and his mind broke down. And the church began to disintegrate. He decided just to come back and stay and stay and stay. You look at those, those bus boards like we have like here. He has them there. He's with the Lord now. And I'd say 15, 16, 1,700 on the buses today. 1,800 on the buses today. 3,500 in church today. 3,800 in church today. 3,900 in church today. Out in the tobacco fields. You know how that happened? A man just stayed faithful. A Lee Robertson just stayed faithful. A Tom Malone just stayed faithful. God's looking for not talented college students, just faithful people. And so the Bible, go back to Zechariah. As we're in Zechariah, he closes out that verse, verse number three, so many years. God just wants you to keep on doing what you're supposed to do for a week, for a month, for a year, for 10, for 20, for 50. And then you'll get over here on this side. And you'll begin to look back and see what God has done. And you're nearing the shore. And hopefully you'll hear something like, well done, how good and faithful servant. You young people, be faithful to God's house. Keep your children at God's house. When your children live for God, stay in God's house. When your children walk away from God, stay in God's house. When you bury your loved one and you bury your mate, stay in God's house. When your health betrays you, when your business folds, when sorrows enter your life, Stay faithful to God. Faithful is reliable. It's dependable. I love Zechariah. 70 years, no results. Now he's trying to get these people who are sidetracked to build this house that's laying dormant. He said, look, I, I've tried my best to set example. So many years. Would you just buy into it also? 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.